Welcome to BG Mania, a video game music podcast found right here at Level Down Games, where we play some excellent tracks and talk about our experiences with each game. I'm Brian, joined as always by the most controversial person I know. It's Frank. Hey guys. That wasn't very controversial. Uh, before we forget BG Mania and Level Down Games, I'm not entirely- <laughs> wearing any pants. <laughs> VG Mania and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project. If you'd like to see it continue to grow and become something even bigger, consider supporting us through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of the podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us. Thank God your camera is like at the old, uh, you know, horizontal and it's not the vertical because I don't need to see down below. Uh, But, you know, would also mean the absolute world to us, as I mentioned, just like it would be if you wanted to visit our affiliate links. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, it seems to affect the algorithm. So that way, when someone is searching for a new video game music podcast to listen to, they will discover a little podcast by the name of BG Mania, where Frank and I play some excellent tracks and talk about our experience with the game, as I just said before. So, yeah, you know, if you like the show, if you want to help us continue to grow, you don't have to necessarily support us financially. You could just leave us a rating and a review. You could just help us climb those charts in terms of search results. So that way we continue to grow our audience and grow our footprint and grow Frank's belly. It's a win-win-win. Brian, 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 this is an audio podcast, and I'm quite svelte. How dare you? <laughs> uh, I didn't realize we set out to do, when we set out to do the episode today just how difficult this one was going to be. I thought it seemed like a fun concept. And it was, and it is. Yes. But it, it became very hard to do. So if you don't remember, if you didn't stick around and listen to the absolute end of the episode last week, we're doing controversial. I can't even say we're doing controversial music. The ep- the theme of today's episode is controversy. That's the theme of the episode. The idea when we set out to do this came about from obviously the, the Fire Temple music, which is literally what you just heard from Ocarina of Time. But. We wanted to do an episode based around controversial music in games, like ones that were changed or removed. There aren't 16 tracks no. in, in, in the history of gaming from the 70s through 2019. There aren't 16 tracks that have been controversial and removed. There's like four. Yes. <laughs> so we I had picked them. <laughs> yeah, they're in here. But we had we had to kind of like change the idea that we had for the show. So instead of controversial music, it just became an episode based on controversy. So while we do have the tracks that are controversial and were removed, we also have music from games that have certain controversies surrounding them. So that's the name of the game this week. The opening track, as I just mentioned, that was your first pick, Frank. Uh, of course, uh, this is from The Legend of Zelda Ancarina of Time. It uh, came out November 21st, 1998, composed by a living legend, Mr. Koji Kondo. Yes, agreed. So uh, so after hearing that track, uh, the original file of temporal music was actually changed because the chanting is apparently a sample from an Islamic prayer and they didn't want to offend anyone. Uh, in addition, there was there wasn't anything changed in this game. It wasn't. Uh, they also changed Ganondorf's blood. It was changed from red to green in two of the ending cutscenes because uh, the ESRB, they wanted to avoid getting a T for teen so they can keep their E for everyone rating. Did they know when they composed this because they had to have used samples. They had to have known. But did they know that this was actually an Islamic prayer or did they think it was just like gibberish? I think they knew it was a prayer, but I don't think they understood that it was offensive. And and honestly, it's not offensive uh, to, you know, play a prayer. 
because that's honoring someone. But in the wrong context of using this as like your fire temple, which is, you know, f- fire is never really associated with good things. Sure. What if you're living on a prayer? Oh, we're halfway there. No, actually, we're not even halfway there because we have 17 more tracks to go. <laughs> 15 Frank learns your math. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just. I like the track. I do. And I think it's cool. And I like that I actually own the cartridge that has this version on it. I do believe that's version 1.2. It and is. Uh, don't quote me on that. It is. Okay. So I, I was doing a lot of research. I think that was the one. Um, it's actually. And and isn't it? All the original release gold cartridges have it on there as well, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I think it changes after that. Uh, and originally, like, that and the blood were both meant to be taken out of the game, like, beforehand, but they just didn't. Yeah. Like, which is why I'm glad I have a copy of the game that actually has the track in it. Now, the blood I didn't actually know about, and I, I never even paid attention to that. I, it probably was red. I'm assuming it had to have benefits of the same, of the same version that has the uh, yeah. Islamic prayer. But still, I mean, I never found anything wrong with this. That Obviously, but that's just because of, of you know, I don't, I'm, that's not my culture. But I never even knew until I started looking into things and like I came across an article one day that's like, oh, you know, this is a big controversy. They're changing Ocarina of Time. You know, this was when the Internet was in its infancy in 98. I mean, it wasn't infancy, but still like America Online was the name of the game back then. And, you know, you had your little uh, the dialogue, <laughs> you've got mail and all that kind of stuff. And I remember seeing something on AOL about how Ocarina of Time was being changed. I didn't even know. So. It's just kind of interesting that this whole song and and track is really what uh, inspired this episode, too. So but from one N64 game to another, I want to go to a a rare release. Rare is in the company. I want to go to Perfect Dark. While the music itself is not controversial, the game is. So from Perfect Dark, this is the Institute menu.
And that was the Institute menu from Perfect Dark, which released on May 22nd, 2000. And this particular track was composed by Grant Kirkhope. There were several composers on there, uh, Graham Norgate being one of them as well. But uh, Grant Kirkhope is the one that actually composed this particular piece of music. And Frank, do you actually know why Perfect Dark is controversial? It's fairly it's relatively simple, actually. I, I, I think I know. And tell me if I'm wrong. It was like the first violent game on Nintendo. It is. Yeah, it's the very first okay. ever M-rated game published by Nintendo. Okay. So because of that, Perfect Dark was met with controversy since Nintendo at the time was known for family friendly video game franchises like Pokemon and Mario. Like families, obviously, they went to Nintendo because they weren't, you know, Sega. They weren't Sony. They weren't soon to be Microsoft who in PC gaming, which were, you know, pushing these violent games. Nintendo was always E for everyone or, you know, worst case T for teen. But E for everyone was generally the, the rating you could expect to see on a Nintendo published game. And I mean, strictly Nintendo published. There may have been other M-rated games on Nintendo platforms, but never specifically published by Nintendo. But Perfect Dark is the first one that actually was published by them and actually is a Nintendo or was at the time a Nintendo IP. Now it's owned by Rare and, you know, Microsoft has that. But uh, yeah, this was the first M-rated game ever published by Nintendo. So pretty Crazy. controversial at the time. Now, I mean... There's been several other uh, several others since, but uh, at the time, and even crazy that, that just to think that that's Animal only that's only after dark. <laughs> that's only 19 years ago, even the year 2000. So um, just crazy that really it hasn't even been that long since Nintendo first started jumping into the M-rated games. Um, but what a great piece of music too, dude. I and that's the first thing we've ever played from Perfect Dark on the show, and the Perfect Dark soundtrack isn't what you would come to expect from like a Nintendo game or even something that like Grant Kirkhope or Nor Graham Norgate is, is behind. There's a lot of atmospheric type music in that, but there are some very good tracks like this one here found within that soundtrack. So I do think that uh, while there's a lot of interesting things that we could explore with that, probably won't focus on that too much throughout the throughout the episodes, just because there isn't a whole lot there that that I find it particularly exciting. But there are there are a couple others I have saved for future usage, so I don't know. All right. Uh Again, just like you, I'm going for a game that since its inception has been controversial. Um, but I'm picking a more recent uh, entry just for the sake of playing a better song. From Leisure Suit Larry, Magna Cum Laude. This is the Sally Mae Quarters game. the Sally Mae Quarters game from Leisure Suit Larry Magna Cum Laude. The game came out October 5th, 2004. Uh, composed by a gentleman called Chad Portwine 
he's uh he, he's he's been like the sound director in a lot of games. He, he did the Spider-Man games and such. But uh, I want to talk about the controversy here. Yeah, please. For one, let's start off. This game has always been controversial because Lady Shoes Larry is a guy trying to get laid. Uh, it, it's uh, his exploits through uh, the Poontang jungle. <laughs> I want to talk about an actual legitimate controversy. Uh, so Al Lowe, the man who created Leisure Suit Larry, the, the entire series, also helped uh, like organize his comeback with uh, Replay Games, quit the company. Now, uh, he told Kotaku that the reason that he decided to leave was because the president of Replay, Paul Trow, pleaded guilty to showing an explicit video to a minor. Uh, Trow you know, claimed that he sent the video to a young woman, didn't know how old she was. He got two years probation and became a mandatory sex offender register. Unreal. Uh, and now, uh, this happened in Texas. Uh, he had to go, also go to mandatory sex offender counseling. Uh, the Texas Department of Public Safety shows two arrests for Trow. Um, he pleaded guilty in 2007 to a felony charge of possession of a controlled substance and received 10 years probation on that charge. And the documents obtained uh, by Polygon show that he was arrested in Austin, Texas, October 11, 2012, for displaying harmful uh, material to a minor. He later pled no contest to the misdemeanor and was sentenced to two years probation on April 15, 2013. So kind of crazy that the guy in charge of a game about a lecherous, horny bastard was a lecherous, horny bastard with children. Yeah. How dare you? And that debt totally takes the wind out of the joke I was going to make, so I can't even make the joke anymore. Although... <laughs> That's that song. If you didn't tell me Chad Portwine, Brian nailed it. I would have probably guessed that that would have been like Def Leppard because it had a nice Armageddon it feel to it. Yeah, I was actually going to start singing some lyrics from Armageddon it, but like they're they're kind of sex- they're kind of sexual lyrics in and of itself. So <laughs> I kind I kind of hope that Paul Trow is Armageddon it in jail. Okay? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you can't stop it. So don't rock it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> can't do the joke anymore though. So thanks for uh, thanks for throwing that out there. Anyway. I guess we'll go ahead and now jump to my next pick. And I'm going to go to another Islamic prayer controversy from Little Big Planet. This is Tafa Niang.
was Tafa Niang from Little Big Planet, which released on October 27th, 2008. And I, I'm going to give credit to the guy that actually is like singing it. And because it said that the, the song was done by him in some of the stuff that I dug around and found uh, that his name is Diabate, who himself, he is a Muslim man. So which makes sense after you hear the track. I mean, like he's just that's just he's Muslim. And there was a controversy surrounding the song, so much so that uh, back in 2008, when it came out originally, when it was supposed to come out on the PS3, it was the full song originally. However, the lyrics had to be removed when it was discovered that the lyrics contained text from the Quran. The release of Little Big Planet was delayed because of this, and the song was edited to be an instrumental in the game. However, and as I just mentioned, it has been revealed that the artist Diabate is Muslim himself, which causes a debate as to whether the lyrics of the song actually needed to be removed or not. Did they or did they not? I don't know. But uh, the track actually can be heard in the swinging safari section of Little Big Planet, which is in the savannah. That's where this track actually plays. It's a good track. I actually really do like it. It's catchy. I don't know what it's saying. But it's a catchy track. I'm sure it means something deep and profound, not nothing to do with like the end of the world or anything crazy like that. Well, I mean, the Quran is basically just another version of the Bible, is it not? I don't know. I'm not too worldly when it comes to these things. But if you know what the, if you know what it's about, uh, send us a comment. Brian at leveldoutgames.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure exactly exactly what it is, but I think that's what that is. I'm not sure. Uh, but it is it is a good piece of music. I do like it. And I do remember this back in the day when because Little Big Planet was a game that I was interested in. I was waiting for it to come out. It looked so I mean, it was one of those games that you were able to basically just control everything and make your own games within a game. And then, you know, Little Big Planet 2, Little Big Planet 3, they expanded on that concept even more. But you were able to do so much with it. And it just seems so cool. So I was waiting for it to come out. And I remember, oh, shit, the game's delayed because of this. And. I don't know, I just it was it was weird. So um, I just remember that back then. And uh, but I didn't actually remember how catchy of a tune that was. So it is cool. It's nice. It was a pretty song. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would call it pretty, but I mean, it was pretty. It was as if like maybe 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 you're just not paying attention. I like that kind of music, to be honest, though. It's like very like tribal. My God, if thank God, no, you guys didn't have to see just Frank bouncing in his chair. Well, it's getting the freak on. <laughs> Brian. Way, way, way to wound your boy. Um, I'm going to go for another song from a controversial game, as is par for the course. And Everything is on this episode is controversial. <laughs> uh, the song itself, the song itself, not controversial, but this game. Oh, boy. Wait until I tell you about this game. This is Lodge 2 from Harvester. <laughs> 
And that was Lodge 2 from the game Harvester, a uh, point-and-click adventure that came out in 1996, uh, composed by Hamilton Alstead, who was also the composer of the video game SpongeBob SquarePants, Lights, Camera, Pants. Uh, Speaking of not wearing any pants. <laughs> so why is Harvester controversial? Well, Harvester contains various scenes of violence and gore, implied sexual intercourse, masturbation and SNM, murder, suicide, child abuse, profanity, cannibalism, prostitution, pedophilia, molestation, serial killing, gerontocide, vandalism, sexually transmitted disease, and stereotypes of the homosexuals, Native Americans, Italians, and others. Wait, the Italians? <laughs> That's why you picked this, because you feel attacked. I felt personally attacked for the way they portrayed us in the barbershop. Skibbity bibbity booby. Skibbity ba. <laughs> this game is very poorly acted. It is very cheesy, super cheesy. I've never even heard of it. It's on Steam. I recommend picking it up uh, just for the, the schlock factor alone. Uh, but it's so bad. It's so, so bad. Did you say shock factor or schlock factor? Schlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's this game is so, so, so bad. Uh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, one of the worst games I've ever played in my life, but it's still worth just playing it because it's that bad. But the music was kind of lit, if, as the kids would say. I was going to say, don't say that. You're 36 years old. <laughs> well, Brian. That wasn't very lit of you. I mean, he is the composer and part of the music department for the game, for the movie, uh, the TV show, Blue Boot, for the TV show Plum Stars. You know, so... Does that? Does that have, does, no, I, does that I, have I, good I, music mind? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not diving into the catalog of Hamilton Allstead. Harvester <laughs> is just, it's so, so bad that you have to play it. Like, just, just play it, Brian. If you want, I will buy it for you on Steam so you play it. Okay. Okay. No, I don't, so wanna, I don't really want to play it. If anyone has actually played Harvester, like I have, Please send us a comment. Brian at Level Down Games. I why will definitely respond back to why you. Why are you trying to get me more emails than I need? <laughs> um, I can't believe you picked a track from a game that you felt personally attacked by. That's the only reason you picked it. That's not the only reason. There's so many bad things that happen in this game. <laughs> and, and, and it caused a big of a fervor when it was actually um, announced at CES. Okay. That like it, people were like ready to boycott this, but the game didn't see too much critical success. And if you've ever played the game, you'll see why it didn't get critical success. Just so bad. So, so, so bad. I can't, I can't throw in so many so's. Lots of so's. All the so's. So bad. All right. Well, I guess I will move on then to my next pick, which comes from a franchise that I really wish Sony would bring back. This was developed by Insomniac and was a first person shooter that I thought was really, really well done on the PlayStation 3. It ended up being three games, but I wish they'd bring them back uh, for, you know, continued entries because I think this could do well in the modern market. From Resistance Fall of Man, this is Chimeran Guntrap.
And that was the Chimeran Gun Trap from Resistance Fall of Man, which came out on November 14th, 2006. And this particular track was composed by David Beergyard. I think that's how you say his last name. I'm not 100% sure. But the reason why we have Resistance Fall of Man on the episode today, what's the controversy behind this one? Well, there is some controversy over the usage of the Manchester Cathedral in Resistance Fall of Man. So I went to Wikipedia. And I have a massive article here that we're going to kind of skim through a little bit. So let's see what this says here. The 2006 video game Resistance Fall of Man, developed by Insomniac Games and published by Sony Computer Entertainment, features combat scenes that take place within a virtual representation of Manchester Cathedral in England set in an alternate history. It was released on March 23rd, 2007 in the United Kingdom. The use of images of the cathedral caused controversy with the leaders of the Church of England, which claimed its depiction to be desecration and copyright infringement and that it was inappropriate of Sony to allow players to fire guns at a city with a gun problem. They have made several legal threats against Sony. They intended to make several demands of Sony, including an apology, a substantial donation, complete withdrawal of the game or modifying the segment, featuring the interior of the cathedral, and financial support of Manchester groups trying to reduce gun crime in the city. In response to the allegations, Sony stated that the game was not based on reality, and they believed they had adequate permissions necessary. They later added that the game was purely entertainment and fictional, comparing it to television program Doctor Who. Former British Prime Minister Tony Blair commented that though companies should have more responsibility and sensitivity to the feelings of others, the issue would be immensely difficult. Although the copyright concerns were found to be without merit, Sony offered a formal apology to the Church of England and leaders of the cathedral in July 27, uh, 27, July 2007, stating that they did not intend to cause offense. The controversy increased awareness of resistance in the UK which showed a rise in sales during the controversy. It was selected as a finalist amongst six other games at the 2007 BAFTA British Academy Video Game Awards for PC for PC World Gamers Award, which is based on the sales and public reception of the nominated games. The Dean of Manchester, the very Reverend Rogers Gov- Govender, criticized its selection by BAFTA due to the current controversy, requesting that either BAFTA or Sony withdraw it from the award. Neither chose to withdraw it from the award, but it did ultimately lose to Football Manager 07. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, this is a great series, a great game in particular, but a great franchise nonetheless that I really do wish Sony and Insomniac would bring back. I kind of was hoping that maybe they and Insomniac would work on a new resistance when they finished Marvel Spider-Man. But I think that was so successful that they're probably going to do a sequel to Marvel Spider-Man. I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed this. And I like that how not only is this controversial back then, but it, it the things that it was controversial about really do tie into like modern things that we're kind of dealing with now and the the social climate like you know the religious aspects with the church and then the gun stuff you know like with our quote-unquote gun problems that exist and then you know the uh what was the other one that i that i saw here oh uh the copyright things the copyright stuff because of how the whole copyright stuff over in the uk is about to drastically change the way things work on YouTube in terms of posting content and, you know, creative usage and fair usage and making covers like, I don't know, this whole thing is really relevant. So I wanted to make sure it was included in the episode. That's nuts. Um, I'm going to go from one British controversy to another then. I like that. That's a good way. Oh, you have, a, you have a British controversy? Cool. I do. Um, and this one involves a game which, yeah, it's pretty controversial. Uh, pretty, pretty controversial. The song, not so much, but the song I kind of enjoy. This is the credits song. Part one from Manhunt.
And that was Credits, part one from Manhunt. Uh, came out November 18th, 2003. Uh, composed by Craig Connor. Um, so yeah, I said a, a British controversy. So the controversy surrounding Manhunt kind of reached its peak um, July 28th, 2004, when the game was linked to the murder of a 14-year-old Stefan Pakiri by his 17-year-old friend, Laurent LeBlanc, in, oh, my butcher this, Liechtenstein, England. Uh, so the initial media reported uh, that the claims that the police had found a copy of the game in LeBlanc's bedroom, which the police had seized as evidence, and uh, the victim's mother, Giselle, stated, I think that I heard some of Warren's friends say that he was obsessed by this game. And the quote from the website promotes it, calling it a psychological experience, not a game, and encourages brutal killing. Uh, so if you remember, there's a lot of fervor of this game saying that you know, I, you have, I skipped this game. I, I couldn't play this game. I, I didn't play it either. But if you remember, all the media talking about this game was like how yeah, how it, it's it's creating little serial killers. And dude, it's a bad game, <laughs> like not bad as in like terrible. It's a bad game. I, I don't buy the whole, you know, video games make you violent kind of thing. We've gone over that before. But, yeah, we, uh, we've gone over that extensively on the Max Level Podcast. I'm, I don't buy into that concept either, but there's just certain things that there's certain there's there's violence and then there's too much. And I think Manhunt went, they crossed the line. It was too they much. They, they, they crossed the line. Yeah. And this one is still to this day um, banned in a lot of countries. Yeah. I mean, we're talking 15, 16 years later to still ban. Uh, quite extensively, so. Yeah, this this was a game that I worked at GameStop at the time when it came out, and I, d- I distinctly remember, like, I would not play this game. I just I had no interest in it. It made me, like, seeing some of the videos I saw, it just literally made me sick. Like, I, I couldn't actually play this game. It's, it's nuts, man. Like, ugh, not, 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 my, not my cup of tea, though, but uh, definitely theirs because they're British. Cup of tea, haha. Well, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say that, but I, I, I do remember that story as well about how the whole the game was it was used as evidence in like part of that whole murder trial or whatever I, I remember that so I'm still waiting for them to use the, my copy of Mario Brothers 3 and evidence of the trial against me for jumping on all those turtles you don't really jump on turtles do you because you would smash them that's the whole point or else we're gonna get their sweet sweet uh, treats from the inside they don't give you treats from the inside in Mario 3 they just give you a shell that you Which would th- that use. you would that you would shatter into pieces if you jumped on them Oh, it's because I'm fat. I get it. Okay. It's any dude, any person that weighed more than 50 pounds would shatter a turtle shell by jumping upon it. <laughs> you just have to be like four times that size. So it doesn't matter. Yes. Four times that size. You realize only four times that size is like 200 pounds. I know. Yes. Four times that size. <laughs> I'm being generous. I'm being track, generous. Ryan? <laughs> I'm going to go to a game that is the most controversial one in this franchise. And you'll see why when we come back. From Silent Hill Homecoming, this is Cold Blood, otherwise known as the theme of Josh.
was Cold Blood, otherwise known as the theme of Josh from Silent Hill Homecoming. This released on September 30th, 2008, and this was obviously composed by the Silent Hill series composer, the wonderful Akira Yamaoka, who I'm a huge fan of, as I always say, anytime we play anything from Silent Hill. But the reason that Silent Hill Homecoming is the most controversial entry in the series is because that Homecoming had difficulties in passing censors in some countries before it could go on sale. The Australian Classification Board, the Office of Film and Literature Classification, refused to classify the game due to the impact of the, quote, impact of violence and excessive blood effects, end quote. The objectionable scenes, including various body parts being drilled into, as well as the bisection of a character by an enemy, was the reason of, of why that quote and end quote thing that I talked about. This had the effect of banning the game for sale in the country and representatives for publisher Atari mentioned that they would be asking Konami to tone down the violence to allow the game to receive the needed MA15 plus rating for its sale to be permitted in early 2009. The German version of the game was also postponed to 2009 for cuts to be made to pass the German censors after the uncensored version was rejected by the something I can't pronounce. Uh, my best guess here. Unterhaltung Software Cellbox and Control be my best <laughs> The game was resubmitted after being altered in the same way as the Australian version and received the highest rating possible as a result, uh, which was friggin' begin AB18 Jaren Jimmerbra 14 which basically just means 18 plus. Uh, yeah. So, this is the only game which was developed by a Japanese company, Konami, that was banned and refused, as I mentioned, to get a rating in Australia and Germany for the extreme, all that kind of stuff, the extreme violence and the disturbing imagery. But the Japanese version of the game, because of all this, was outright canceled altogether. So it never released, it never released in Japan, which is a game that is developed by a Japanese company, and all the other entries have been, so. Uh, it's a great soundtrack. It's something I've only played one track for. I've played a lot of music from Silent Hill in the past on BG Mania, but Silent Hill Homecoming, I've only explored once. I was digging through looking for a track to pick for this particular episode from this game because I knew I wanted to pick from it. So I found several others that I saved for future usage. So I think I have quite a few from Silent Hill Homecoming to come up soon. Uh, some not not all at once, but in the future, a whole episode, um, maybe in October, maybe like an October episode. Ooh, maybe. All right, uh, my next game, also super, super controversial for very obvious reasons we'll talk about. This is Coastal from Carmageddon.
And that was Coastal from Carmageddon, a game that came out February 2nd, 1997, uh, composed by Ken Elkinson. So uh, Carmageddon in many countries, including Germany, go figure, and for a short time the UK, uh, the first release of this game was completely censored and they refused to release it. Um, so they replaced, because in Carmageddon you run over, you get bonuses for hitting pedestrians. Yeah. And you just splattering them. So they replaced them with zombies with green blood and robots with black blood instead of people. Because they, they figured that running over non-human figures would be more acceptable. But uh, in the UK, they refused to certify the game unless all blood and gore was removed. So they were just in a bit of a tissy uh, over all the, uh, the wanton violence. Makes sense. It, it is it is a very violent game, so. And, and this predates Grand Theft Auto, where, which would reward you for, you know, bringing someone over like a hooker by getting money, so. I, it doesn't predate Grand Theft Auto 1. Uh, I actually thought, I for some reason I was thinking Grand Theft Auto was 96. I thought it was Fall 96, so. That's why I wasn't sure if it did, but congratulations, you actually got something right. I wouldn't just say something without base. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go to something that is controversial because of the potential composer that may have been involved with this particular game. Okay. From Sonic the Hedgehog 3. This is Ice Cap Zone Act 1. Ice Cap Zone Act 1 from Sonic the Hedgehog 3, which released on February 2nd, 1994. This game had several, several, several composers, but the reason that it's controversial is because of one of the potential composers that could have been behind the game. Mr. Michael Jackson. The King of Pop. The King of Pop had several contributions to Sonic 3, and it's still uncredited to this day. Like, there's no known credits to, to tracks that he worked with because the reason from the re what I was able to find, the reason being is that he didn't feel the tracks were good enough and he didn't want his name attached to them, which is what I was kind of able to find through some extensive research before we started recording. So the only known things that we have in terms of what we speculate he did is the similarities to some of his music with these tracks. So, in particular, 
the, the one that I picked here, the ice cap zone, the, the baseline and various other materials in the track uh, very much sound like Smooth Criminal, Who Is It, and the unreleased track Hard Times. Um, there's one that is here, the, let's see here, what is it? The, uh, the most compelling music similarities between, okay, so the end credits music and his song, A Stranger in Moscow from History, Past, Present, and Future, which was released two years after Sonic the Hedgehog 3. So those sound very similar. Uh, the most famous one that everyone talks about is the Carnival Night Zone. Yeah. So there's just so many different similarities for, there's like four or five different tracks that have some similarities to his music that we, that not, not we, but that the industry has just speculated on what he was involved with. So we are giving credit to Michael Jackson for this composition, even though it's uncredited and it may not be right. So, but nonetheless, it's still a cool piece of music and it's still a great game. So. Absolutely. Speaking of great games, I found a way, Brian. So I found a controversy. I don't necessarily agree with it, but okay. From Portal 2. This is robots. Getting a little FT- old, Frank. Getting a little old. Wow. Really? Portal 2. Robots. FTW. <laughs> was Robots FTW from Portal 2. Game came out April 19th, 2011 and was composed by Mike Moraski. Now, where's the controversy with Portal? The most perfect game ever made. Um, uh, Portal well, 2, not Portal. Portal 2 was great as well. Uh, where is the controversy to Portal 2? 
Well, it's a very fleeting one, but it was just enough to count. Just enough to count. Uh, we'll make that judgment one. after we find out. We may scratch it and make you redo it. This one is a strictly a regional controversy in the great state of North Carolina. Go Tar Heels. I agree. Go Tar Heels. I like that team. On what may have been a epically bad news day, the station decided to run a piece about the game Portal 2 after one man was mildly, yes, mildly upset over a line in the game where Wheatley, the game's antagonist, attempts to make fun of the protagonist for being adopted. Uh, it's a single line, and it's meant to just uh, as a joke to show that Wheatley is a bad guy and he has it in for you. It's also meant to illustrate that Wheatley is a moron. The line in question that is blowing the mind of and the winds of outrage up the skirts of the North Carolinians. And be prepared. I'm not going to censor this for you. I'm just going to read it to you as it is. You might want to hide your children. I'm listening to this. Ready? All right, fatty. Adopted fatty. Fatty, fatty, no parents. Yeah. That was the fervor, and there were calls to have the game removed. You said this was in North Carolina. Yes. In what year? This came out in 2011? 2011. So this wasn't in Colorado? No. This wasn't you getting upset about the line in the game? Um, first of all, I'm not fat. I am festively fit. And both my parents, thankfully, uh, are alive and well. Well, alive. They that doesn't mean that, well that, doesn't, that doesn't mean you're not adopted. <laughs> fatty McFatterton. Fatty Fat Fat. Adopted Fatty. <laughs> That's it. Let's recall this whole podcast. Um... <laughs> Do I wish I was adopted? Absolutely not. Love my family. They're the best. Uh, yeah, just what, what, a, what a dumb thing to be upset about. I agree. Trying to, forever, trying, to, trying to get this game pulled. I mean, I can't imagine a world without Portal 2 in it. A much better world, probably. Brian, now you're not even thinking with Portals, okay? <laughs> um, fun track, though. Very catchy. Very catchy. Yeah, I, I picked that it was definitely tied to the robots. Otherwise, that pick would have been for not. Yeah, good track. I'm going to go to a game that caused you a lot of pain in 2018. Well, do it. A game that you should have listened to me over, but for some reason you decided not to. And you Don't are the do it. you are the proud owner of this game. I believe it is sitting on your shelf as we speak. And it'll never be taken out of its case again. From Agony. This is the credits.
And that was the credits from Agony, which released May 29th, 2018, just last year. That was composed by Draco Nared. And the reason that this is controversial, not only is it controversial, is it controversial because I told Frank not to buy it and he still bought it anyway and we'll never finish it. He'll never hear that track because he'll never actually finish the game. Never. <laughs> but well, uh, you can't finish the game. Well, you, you probably can now, but. Agony is a dark fantasy survival horror video game that puts players to the perspective of a tormented soul within the depths of hell, devoid of any memories about his or her past. The special ability to control people on their path and possess weak-minded demons gives players the necessary measures to survive in the extreme conditions they are in. Agony is infamous for being one of only four games to have received the adults-only rating from the ESRB, due to violence and other extreme graphic content including gay and lesbian sex scenes and genital physics. Uh, the other three games were The Punisher, Manhunt 2, speaking of Manhunt earlier, and Hatred. The game was re-rated Mature after the developers agreed to tone down on the violence, which also led to the Peggy rating system over in uh, the UK to get the, you know, they, they classified it as 18. A planned adults-only unpatch, unrated patch for the PC was later dropped due to illegal issues. However, on June 6, 2018, the developers said that they were talking with Steam representatives about offering Agony Unrated as a separate title produced and published by Madmind Studio and without the involvement of any publishers. For those who already owned the original game, this version will be either free DLC or a separate purchase at 99% off, which currently is the highest possible discount on Steam's platform. After announcing the financial problems of the company and canceling the unrated version of the game, the basic game docked on August 1st, 2018, with a considerable amount of updates on the platforms on which it debuted. Um, this game was totally broken when it released. You like Frank actually played it, I think, and, and got stuck multiple times because of yeah. just how how broken it actually was. I, could, but, I couldn't even get past the first level or area. It just it was that bad. Yeah. But the real controversy is just surrounding the. Uh, extreme graphical content like the gay and lesbian sex scenes and the literal genital physics. You can literally see, you know, floppiness as you play the game. But uh, the only one of the only four games to ever receive the adults only rating and the fact that there is supposed to be an unpatched, uh, an unrated patch that just never came out, which was promised when the game was actually being on made through Kickstarter. I think wasn't this game on Kickstarter? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. So, they should have kicked this one to the curb. <laughs> the whole the whole thing that they promised with the actual Kickstarter campaign just never happened. So, anyway, you broken my heart. Yeah. All right, Brian. I think this whole episode would be remiss if I didn't pick this next track. Uh, an actual controversial track in general, not even from a controversial game, a controversial track. Um. If you have small children between the ages of 7 and 12, I recommend that you skip this track. Don't listen. This is the original Japanese version of Lavender Town from Pokemon.
and that was the original Japanese version of Lavender Town from Pokemon Red and Green, which came out February 27th, 1996, uh, composed by Junichi Masuda. Right, do you want to kill yourself? A little bit. Uh, that would mean that I would have the Lavender Town Syndrome. Uh, this is also known as Lavender Town Tone or the Lavender Town Suicides. Uh, there was a peak in suicides and illness of children, as I mentioned, ages 7 to 12, shortly after the release of this game in Japan back in February of uh, 96, uh, all attributed to this song, saying that it kind of made bad feelings and, yeah, unfortunately, uh, a lot of death. It Crazy. still, still to this day, listening to that track still does give me a headache. Like I and I and I don't think that like it's supernatural or anything like that. There's nothing weird or crazy going on here. But I think just the the notes used and the pattern that they're used in just for whatever reason just gives me a headache. And maybe that's maybe it does the same to other people as well. I have no idea. It's friggin nuts. Uh, it actually kind of fills me with some sadness just knowing that this did cause deaths. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it'd be inhumane of me to, to not feel something there. Uh, it's it's messed up. That's why uh, if you're feeling sad, just say something to say something. So, no, talk to somebody. You know, we're here for you. I believe in you. I'm here for you, Frank. I'm occasionally around for you, Brian. I know Lavender Town is a place where you go and you just uh, you reminisce. And you might have some bad thoughts while you're there, but we're here for you, Frank. I'm, I'm more of a Celadon City kind of guy. I uh I need to finish Pokemon. Let's go. Just reminds me of that is all. Yeah, you gotta catch me a goddamn Vulpix for I. I have a lot of them. I just haven't. We haven't linked up. I need. I need the Alolan Vulpix. I haven't done that. I haven't done that yet. But I have a lot of Vulpixes. Vulpi. I have a lot of Vulpi. Vulpi. Okay. All right. My next track comes from a fantastic game by the name of Bioshock. This is Little Sister.
was Little Sister from Bioshock, which released August 21st, 2007 and was composed by Gary Scheiman. What a great piece of music, first of all. Let me just say very, very haunting, very, dude, very just melancholy. I really like that piece of music. But the reason that Bioshock is considered so controversial is from an article. I'm going to be referencing an article in the Patriot Ledger the local paper of developer Irrational Games, which argued that the game is testing the limits of the ultra-violent gaming genre with a strategy that enables players to kill characters resembling young girls, end quote. The game presents an ethical choice to players whether to kill little sisters for extra abilities or save them and receive less. President of 2K Boston Ken Levine defended the game as a piece of art, stating, quote, we want to deal with challenging moral issues and if you want to do that, you have to go to some dark places, end quote. Jack Thompson took issue with advertisements for the game appearing during WWE Smackdown, which obviously is done in like primetime TV with like the eight o'clock hour, writing to the Federal Trade Commission and stating that M-rated games should not be advertised when large numbers of under 17 years old people are watching. So did you kill the little sisters? Or did you save them? Both. I say I, 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 I killed them all the time through. Um, <laughs> of course, of course you did. I expect I nothing less. Uh, I did a second play where I didn't kill a single one. Um, but if, if I may say it's personal from my heart. Tough Jack Thompson. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I hate that man. I hate that man so much. Why? He hates everything I love. Yeah. Why is he even why is he even watching SmackDown in general? Huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure, it's the, sure it's the better wrestling show of the two, but that's neither here nor there. Sure. Uh, yes, but that takes nothing away from the fact of how great that piece of music is. It's so good. Great music, great game. Not such a great man. Maybe we'll see another Bioshock in the future. There were rumors that we would see one uh, soon, but that that turned out to be something different. So uh, maybe we'll see a return of that series in the, in the future. Who knows? How do you do? How do you make a sequel to Infinite? Well, I Bioshock, don't know. To, Bi- Bi- Bioshock to Infinity and Beyond. Okay, okay. I don't necessarily know that it would have to be a sequel. True that, homie. True that. All right, for my last pick, something that's so controversial, even the game knows it's controversial, and it tries to give you an out when you start it up. Yeah. From Paul- <laughs> From Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, this is, remember, no Russian.
And that was Remember, No Russian, from Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Came out November 10th, 2009, composed by Hans Zimmer. Yeah, super cool. Uh, so, as I mentioned before, uh, this game actually gives you an out. It tells you ahead of time something controversial is going to happen. Uh, and you have the option of opting out and not doing it. But uh, the game's fourth level, called No Russian, the player controls an undercover CIA agent who participates in a mass shooting at a Moscow airport to gain the trust of a Russian terrorist group. Uh, the level was largely criticized for allowing players to partake in a terrorist attack, and international versions of the game were subject to the censorship due to the level's content. So, dude, it was bad. It was. It was, it, it was bad. It was bad. I did not. I knew something big was going to happen because obviously they warned us ahead of time. I wasn't prepared for this. No, I wasn't prepared either. And I, I will say that obviously. You know, I I didn't want to do the mission. I didn't because of just how how I felt about it. But I mean, that being said, I killed everyone um, because I, again, I had to play the part. Sometimes you got to rebel against the uh, the authorities. You like rage against the machine. So yeah, speak, you know. Just raise your fist and march around. Just don't take what you need. F F you. I won't do what you told me. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, it's still one of the most massive things we ever had to do in a video game. It is. It is. It is. It's still it's still one of the most controversial scenes, and it's still because of that. It's still one of the most controversial video games ever released. But pretty pretty song can't can go wrong with Hans Zimmer. He's the man. Yeah, no. But but the song you know itself does really it does a good job. Like just kind of giving you the sense of yeah, so something bad's going on. Yeah, I was trying to think of the right word to say, but yeah, just this the sense of. You know, just uneasiness. Like there's there's something wrong here. So, and, and and speaking of that, that'll take me to my last pick on the episode today, which happens to come from a little game that concluded a trilogy where the first two games were fantastic, and the third game is is good. Till we get to the ending, the game is Mass Effect Three, and the name of the track that we're going to close out with is an end once and for all. This released on March 6, 2012, and this particular track was composed by the combination of Clint Mansell and Sam Hewlick. The reason that Mass Effect 3 is so controversial is because it basically came down to what color ending do you want? Now, on Wikipedia, where we got a lot of the, the inspirations for these games once we realized how many, you know, tracks that didn't fit the idea we wanted to do for the episode originally. We started looking at this list of controversial video games that were released. This particular page on Wikipedia says for Mass Effect 3, while, while critically acclaimed overall, the ending of Mass Effect 3 was highly criticized as, among other issues, rendered all the decisions players had made in the trilogy carried over through save files moot in contrast to marketing material Bioware had put forth for the game. Due to a large reaction from the player base, Bioware released free downloadable content that provided a more cinematic ending sequence that addressed some of those concerns. So good guys over at Bioware, they did put out several things after the fact to try and fix the ending. They extended the, the cutscene that plays. They added more content. They added relevancy to things so like they tried to fix it. But when the game originally came out and everyone like myself and all these Mass Effect fans first played through it and we got to the ending, it literally was... Are you getting the red ending, the green ending, or the blue ending? And everything you did up to that point didn't matter. Everything you did in the first game, everything you did in the second game, everything you did in the third game, 
after years upon years upon years of them telling us everything that we were going to see and do and everything had a decision and everything had a choice and everything mattered. Red, green, and blue. Now, the particular track that we're going to listen to here to close out the episode and end once and for all is very somber. It's very sad. Just like the feelings that everyone that played Mass Effect 3 felt when they got to the end of the trilogy. We were sad. We were disappointed. And that's what this track represents. It represents the disappointment of Mass Effect fans worldwide when they saw just how stupid of a decision it was to, to make this the ending. And it's it, it continues forward through 2019, several, several years after the fact, um, because this was released in 2012. So we have seven years later, not not quite seven years, but we're almost seven years later. And Bioware still isn't that great. You know, they're, it's, they're, al- it's, it's allegory for life, you know, because you yeah. try so hard, you get so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. You just made me more sad now by quoting Chester Bennington. May he rest in peace. Yeah. You just made me even more sad, dude. I'm I'm done. Do you have anything else you want to talk about for getting out of here? You just you just killed it. Killed the vibe even more than I already was. To be yourself is all that you can do. Stop being yourself. That's going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for still. <laughs> we want to thank you for listening and sticking with us here at BG Media made possible by LevelDownGames.com. Remember to submit tracks, ideas, and requests for future episodes to bgmania at leveldowngames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through iTunes. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to youtube.com forward slash leveldowngames and subscribe to our channel there if you haven't already. And while you're at it, why not hit up twitch.tv slash leveldowngames. Click that follow button. That way you can check out any of our live streams that we do, even though it isn't that often. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook would be the place to do that if you want to. Check the description box for the appropriate links. Next week, it's the end of the month, so of course we're going to be doing Radio Hour Volume 19, an eclectic mix of music, five tracks from myself, five tracks from Frank, one from Jessica, and one from you. Taking us out of this episode once again, we have an end, once and for all, from Mass Effect 3, composed by Clint Mansell and Sam Hulick. Keep the music playing, and keep it loud.